In today's show, we meet Firestorm guest Steve Spellman. Steve's been on a few times talking about a supernatural miracle, creative miracle that's happened in his body, but now he's an equipper to lead other people and activate them. Steve is activating other people to move in power healing. The joy of the Lord is our strength, it says in Nehemiah, and the joy just pours out of this man. The point of today's show is how we turn our wounds into weapons. It makes the Lord really happy when we do that. Steve's going to define how you can do it too. Good evening, my Firestorm family. Tuesday evening coming to you with words of encouragement, the powerful movement of God in our everyday lives all around us from regular folks that are just like you that the Lord is co-laboring with and bringing people to himself. Man, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so great tonight. You tuned in on a really great show. So, we are all wrapping up summer. We're all getting back to school with all the craziness and all that. And I just want to encourage you that this is a time of excitement. This is a time of ramp up. You feel like some you know, chapters are closing, others are opening, there's new stresses, there's all these things going in your life. I just feel like the Lord is telling me to encourage you that uh, there's no loss, there is change, and change is exciting. The Lord's going to do some stuff in this season. And we're all going to level up. There's a level up. I feel like the Lord's saying there's a level up coming. So, hey, let's put it in video game terms that all of our kids know. It's all about the level up, right? You don't just keep doing the same stuff. You're always leveling up. So tonight is going to be just a a continuation of some previous testimony from my wonderful guest and dear friend. This is Steve Spellman. And Steve has been on the show um, once or twice before sharing uh, one of the most dramatic testimonies really I've ever I've ever maybe even heard about, and certainly the most dramatic testimony I personally have been uh, involved in. So we're going to share, Steve, I want you to share that that backstory. First of all, thank you for being with us again. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, when it says the joy of the Lord is our strength, he's just pouring out of you, dude. Yeah. The joy yeah. that's on your face. The joy that's, yeah, this, this thing, right? Uh, we, all, we all want this. And we're going to talk about... The, our faith is a warrior faith, and along with that comes a power and a strength, yes. and the strength of that is joy, yes. and it's just bubbling out of you, man. So we all want some of that. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. We're going to pray for us for that. But really, the point of the show tonight, everyone, is that the Lord will turn your wounds into weapons. All the things that you can look back on your life and see where the enemy has wounded and has taken and stolen. Because, you know, our, our father's good. Our father doesn't come to steal. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Our father says, you know, Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly. The enemy comes. He's the thief. I think a lot of people, they kind of see their father that way. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know if I can trust him. You know, I, I prayed, and then, you know, my grandma died, and I lost that job, and my wife and me, and we don't get along and all this stuff. And they see God as a thief. He's not a thief. He's not a thief. And the testimony tonight, I think, is going to restore uh, a lot of wounded places. And the Lord's going to turn those wounds into weapons. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, everyone. (laughs) If you're on Facebook, so Firestorm United, you can find us on Facebook. If you're on Facebook or if you want to go there right now, don't do it if you're driving. (laughs) you can see us so we live stream this on firestorm united on facebook every week and uh we got a lot of wonderful repeat guests that are on there always 
seeing some friends on there. Stephen Casey, all the way from Austin, Texas. Thank you for joining us, my friend. Calvin Allen, the constant, ever-present. I know you intercede for us before the throne every day. Uh, Brian Sawyer's on every time. There's just a lot of these. I'm just seeing them come through. There's just a lot of these folks that we we see. We see that you are dedicated to this, and we want to be a blessing. So I don't want to take any more time. Steve, let's set the backstory. (laughs) Tell us about what God did. It's well, you. the beginning of my yeah. whole backstory. Yeah. My story begins with my mother. She was my my grandmother was killed by a jealous lover when my mother was a child. She couldn't. She was um, between like seven and nine. So that trauma followed her her whole life. That happened on Christmas Day. I was born on Christmas Eve. Years later, okay. so that trauma followed her her whole youth into her adult life. So. She began to turn to drugs instead of to Jesus mm. to deal with that. Because that is that's, that was a lot the world had stolen from her, and she just lived a broken woman. And your mom was like an eyewitness to this. Yeah. Oh, right. She was in the bed with her mother when, when, this, when the guy killed her, yes. This is horrible. Yes. Yeah. Yes, in the bed with her. I, I, I don't even girl. imagine it. Yes. Yes, just terrible. So anyone, you know, you can imagine the trauma that she would have faced she was terrified for me that I was going to die when I was born. So I never saw a babysitter um, mm-hmm. until I was like um, 11, 10, 11. I never, my mother never left me with a babysitter. And she put herself through college and kept me with her all the time because she was terrified of losing me yeah. because life has stolen from her already, like one of the most important people in her life. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and she managed that, you were telling me, through, um, through hard living and yeah. drugs and yeah she did and i actually have begun to realize that the way most of us see the lord as just you know this indifferent at best father in the sky is probably the lord she was familiar with mm-hmm. and that god can't help you with that kind of trauma and i'm realizing that now jesus christ can but the image most of us have of god of a belligerent at worst, indifferent at best father in the sky that doesn't really want to see you, isn't really concerned about your life. Mm -hmm. That's probably the God that she worshiped during those times, a God like an idol that can't help you. And so she began to turn to drugs because, yeah, there is no power in that image of God. And so crack cocaine entered the picture when I was about 10. Um, My brother who was about, my brother was born three years before that. When I was 11, my mother left me and my brother in a hotel for drugs. He was about three at the time. So, yeah, basically just, just she began to abandon us from the time he was born for crack cocaine mm-hmm. because it was the only, it was the only relief she felt like she had. So do you become a eight-year-old caregiver to an infant? Yes, newborn infant, yes. Um and complete caregiver. She would leave us for two, three days at a time. And she taught me how to wash clothes, how to change his diaper, how to fix his formula, how to clean the house, just as if I was an adult. What happened if you messed up? He would die. That's what my mom told me. She she was good with words. She passed on to me my acumen with grammar. And she she would lower herself to me. It was like the voice of God. It was my mom. I'm seven. She's God to me. And she would lower down to me with inches of my face and just whisper to me, if you forget any one of these things, any one of this list of things, he will die. 
and his blood will be on your hands. So. This is how your mother yes. treats you. She leaves her infant child yes. with you as a young, an eight-year-old yes. yourself to, yes. to go live a drug life for days. Yes. Well, yes. That, that can't have lasted long or what what happened how did that well, pan out? Yeah, that we were in an apartment then. I remember that, and you know it wasn't long before we got kicked out of that apartment. And she, we lived in abandoned trailers. My mother didn't have the money. Um, it, it went towards drugs, and she did all. Remember her doing all manner of things for money. But we we lived in abandoned trailers, uh, no electricity, no running water, and they changed every so often because we weren't supposed to be there. So whenever somebody would find out that we're there, she would move us to another abandoned trailer. And just a lot of darkness, no tether as to who I was because she didn't have any tether to who she was. Mm -hmm. She found herself in drugs. Her life was either trauma or drugs. Yeah. And that's all she knew. Yeah. So you grow up in that. Yes. And then that puts you in foster care, you said. Right. Yes. My mom left us in a hotel, a seedy hotel room to go get drugs. And my brother and I was separated. He was sent to a foster home on the other side of the state. And um, I was put in a foster home in the city where I was raised, in the same city where my blood relatives all lived. So I was in foster homes <laughs> in the same place where my uncles and aunts lived, where my mother lived, where my father lived. And all of that. So that was highly confusing to be living with strangers in the same city where your relatives are. Yeah. And for them to be no more than strangers to you. And as you grow up in that, how does that affect you? I begin, I, I was desperate to break free of that. I had enough. I, I know now that the Holy Spirit was wooing me. I knew that there was something more to to life than this. I remember I would go out to um to a park that was my favorite place to be alone after work, and I would look out and know sense within myself there's something more than what I've seen of life. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to get there. It's like being hungry but not knowing about food. So you're just being ravished by this thing that you don't know what's happening. You just know something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted to escape the life I was living and the place where I was. I had to escape. It was worse than death. My family drugs were rampant in my family, my extended family. I didn't know who I was, where I was going, just that I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I knew I wasn't loved and, and I had no direction mm -hmm. and no anchor to anything. So I began to formulate a plot to escape and it involved me, um, selling marijuana to, to put myself through college. I thought that if I got a degree, I could go somewhere and get a good job. I could escape this place and never return because I had to escape one way or another. And I knew drug money. I was selling marijuana at the time as well as working a job. And I knew that um, drug money wasn't enough to keep me free from that place forever. Okay. And I didn't want to sell drugs forever. I wanted something more from life than what I was getting. I needed it. I had to have it desperately. It was worse than death. Yeah. So that was my desperation. Yeah. And we fast forward to uh, what happened to you when you were 19. Right. So um, the drug dealing, of course, that's not going to lead to a prosperous life. <laughs> so at about 19, um, I was shot by a police officer. I was going to I was uh, preparing to rob this store mm -hmm. and I'm leaving the property because at the time it was a woman I knew manning the register at the store. And the truth is, I didn't want to kill her. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, that was my life. If I robbed a place and the person gave me trouble, I, I would 
I would kill you. I would shoot you. That was that was the life I lived. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't bear to do that to this woman. God just even then just warned me with some vestige of a conscience. And so I'm leaving to go get my bike, which is how I got there. And the property I go to get my bike from is a storage unit that was robbed the night before. A, a neighbor, a woman, an older woman that lived across the street from the storage unit saw me walking across the property and thought that I was the person that had robbed the place the night before. So you stash your bike on this property. Yeah. So And that lady sees it, yes. thinks that you're you know, the guy from the night before calls the cops. Yes. They show up. Yes. Okay. The cop shows up. I have on gloves cause I was just about to rob this store and you wear gloves for obvious reasons when you're doing, when you're breaking, when you're breaking laws. And, um, so when the cop got out of the car, I threw the gloves in a nearby ditch. He turned around to see what I had thrown. This is late in the middle of the night. It's dark. He turns around to see what I have thrown and I immediately pull my weapon on him because I knew that that was going to happen one way or another. I had enough sense to know that the life I was living was going to end in prison or death, Mm -hmm. which is why I was trying to put myself through college to escape that before that happened. And I knew that any time that it came to a head like that, I had already made my decision. So I pulled my gun on him and I would have I would have killed him. His back was turned to me and I was um, a few yards away from him. Um, maybe a few feet, a dozen or so feet. And um, so I pulled my gun on him instantly because that was a decision I had made long before that night. Okay. And I would have shot him except the light, a light came on in a, in a house across the street. I didn't know till later that that was the woman who had called the cops. And the first thought in my mind was I don't have enough money to be on the run for killing a police officer. Yeah. So in that moment of hesitation, the cop turns around and sees a gun train on him and he, he pulls out his weapon. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have a standoff. Put down your weapon. You put down your weapon. And in, in the midst of that, I still have to make a choice. I'm not willing. I'm not going back to prison. That's the only yeah. thing I was thinking. And um, so the cop, he he testified in court later that he saw a change coming over me. He saw me making the wrong decision and he mm-hmm. was right. Which you were making. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. he was completely right. So he shot me three times because that was what was happening. I was here. I was stuck. I don't have the money for being on the run for killing a police officer, but now I'm here. So what am I going to do? So now I'm refooting and I'm about to go back to the first mode of action, the terrible Mm -hmm. mode of action. And he saw that and he shot me three times. Um, Two of the bullets remained lodged in my spine. One of them they were able to remove. But um, yeah, that's that's how that happened. (laughs) And I always have to say, you know, police brutality does exist, but my situation was nothing like that. God used that to save my soul. Okay. The person, as I lay dying there on the ground, and I, I remember myself, I, I remember looking up at the stars and they're dimming. I'm dying. I can feel blood gushing out of me like a water hose. I have three open bullet wounds in my side from a nine millimeter yeah. at almost point point blank range. Yeah. So I'm dying. I'm going <laughs> I'm going to meet my Lord one yeah. way or another. I had enough sense to know that I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I knew, and that was just the Lord right there, because nobody had ever preached the gospel to me that I can remember to a point like that. But I knew that I was going to hell just like I knew my life would eventually end in jail or, or in death if I didn't escape. And I prayed for the Lord to save my soul from hell, but not to let me wake up, to not let me wake up to another day. 
Don't let me go back to that darkness where I don't know who I am. I don't know where I belong. And every day is just grasping for some semblance of hope and not finding it. Yeah. So don't let me go to that. Like, take me home. Don't let me go to hell, but take me home. Whatever needs to happen. Don't let me wake up, though. Please. That was the worst thing that could have happened for me to just to survive that. So you were actually praying for death. Absolutely. Not go to hell. You prayed for Jesus to save your soul. Yes. Uh, but you would rather die. Yes. Than to live on this world in the darkness that you were living in. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Desperate. Death would have been better. It would have been an end. Anything was better. And that person did die that night. That person that lived in despair, that person that knew only pain and brokenness and shadow, that person did die that night. And God answered my prayer and saved my soul. And so I had two ribs removed because of the gunshot wounds. They shattered two of my ribs and they were completely removed and 40 percent of my right lung. Um, two of the bullets remained lodged in my spine because they were so close to the nerve endings in my spinal column that the, that the doctor told me if we went in to remove those, we run a very great risk of paralyzing you. So you'll be paralyzed if we operate. As it stands, we have to leave those in and you risk being paralyzed for the rest of your life. If you turn the wrong way and they make contact with, your, with your, um, the nerves in your spinal column, which are a fraction of an inch away already, then you'll just be a, is it a quadriplegic or paraplegic? Just, yeah. Okay. You'll just be disabled from, from, from the waist down okay. and you will never walk again. And that can happen at any time. At any time. For any reason. If for any like, reason. turn your head and sneeze. Yes. Okay. Yes. For the rest of your life. And that's just one of the things you have to live with because of the decisions you made. Yeah. That's not what the doctor told me, but he just told me this is one of the things you're going to have to live with. But I knew it was because of the decisions I made. Yeah. And it was still better <laughs> than, it was still better than going back to my old life. But they took one out and so two bullets remained because they couldn't get them out and- at the time, I had to learn to walk again, and that was excruciating. That hurt as much as being shot. So what was your pain level like on a normal day-to-day? Mm -hmm. So you're 19 years old. I, we should mention you did go to prison. You did yes. do time for this. For four years. Four years. Yes. Okay. What was the guidelines, sensing guidelines for what you did? What, what right. could it have been? So just for attempting to rob that place was a seven-year minimum in the municipality in North Carolina where I lived. Um, so a very, uh, just God showed himself in a miraculous way in court. When I was in court, God had already secured my heart by then in prison. Um, I had, I, even though I was saved, I was still like trying to formulate some way to not have to go to prison mm -hmm. now that I'm saved. And, and God came to me one day and told me, you know, you give me all or you give me nothing right now. And I've always been an all or nothing person, you know, zero to a hundred were my two speeds for a long time. So that really worked with me. God was speaking my language and I knew that giving nothing was not even an option. I was not going back to the life I lived, prison, death, whatever is better than that. So I give you all. And it was time to tell the truth, to tell everything that was happening. It was time to pull the officer aside before court and apologize to him for what that old man that was me had done. That old man had died and the new man, it was appropriate that I go make amends for what that old man had done. Yeah. So I got a chance to apologize to him and away from from court. And I, I um, 
I taxed him. I, I, I pleaded with him to not tell anyone because it wasn't a ploy for me to get, um, yeah, for me lenience. to get less time. Yeah. Leniency. Yes. Okay. It was, it was a joy to just be redeemed. So yeah, the guidelines were, you're saying, you know, seven years for the store, then you have a, you know, a weapon involved and then mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the thing with the cop drawn down on the cop, mm-hmm. what was the, the total that you were up for? I was looking at 20, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Double digit years, easy. And, and instead what I got was four, okay. less than four, a little less than four. The, the judge gave me what he calls special circumstances. He changed the, the kind of nature of, of uh, my offense because assault on a police officer carried with it hefty time. Yeah. So he changed it to something else um, like assault on a government official, okay. not, not the same thing. And um, that was just the Holy Spirit. And I told him my entire story in truth because God had, had secured my heart. God, I was a changed man. It was time to leave those old things behind. And when I got to the place where I was trying to tell him that I was going to rob the store, he stopped me. Because to admit that in open court meant seven years minimum. It gave him no leniency yeah. to give me less, right. as he did with the other charge. And he stopped me. And he began talking about something random like the estate of the world. Okay. Okay. So we go back and I begin the story again. And when I get there, he stops me. And he's talking about something random like the estate of young men in today's society and all that we have to face and, and just random things. So at the third time, I finally got the message. The Lord says to me, stop. <laughs> okay. So I finally got the message on the third time and stopped. And I realized later that that was the Lord um, just giving me what I didn't deserve. Grace. Yes. Awesome. Yes. So you go through that. You do some time. You're in a wheelchair. You're mm-hmm. on a cane. Yes. What is your pain level like on a moment day to day? You mm-hmm. wake up in the morning. You got two bullets inoperable in your mm-hmm. spine. You got 40% of a lung removed. You got yes. two ribs gone. Um, your body, you've told me, felt like a dilapidated building. You yeah. couldn't even touch your body, your side. Yeah. Um, what's your pain level like? My pain level started at a seven. And this is a person who's been shot three times. So when I say a seven, I mean a seven. Like <laughs> if you break your arm, that would be like a seven or eight. You can okay. still move and function and speak, but it's going to be much more difficult. And that's how you started your days. Yes. That never, never below that. There was one period during that that I got um, in a prescription for fentanyl. And like for three days, I was so drugged up off of that that I didn't hurt. But that was only for like an hour or two a day because that kept me sleep for like 18 to 22 hours. Yeah. And I couldn't bear to do that. So in 20 years, that was the only time that my pain level wasn't a seven. But that was only like an hour a day because I was drugged and, and comatose for the yeah. rest of the day. That was not working and then if you started your day at a seven yeah and then you did anything what happened anything then it was a 10 so a seven began with me getting up out of bed and being in like almost mortal pain but if i were to wash dishes if i was to go to a grocery store and pick up a loaf of bread literally mm-hmm. then it was a 10 and a 10 meant about 10 to 20 minutes crawling out of bed on hands and knees, you know, before the day begins, um, crawling to the bathroom on hands and knees in my 20s yeah. and, and climbing my way up the, the sink to stand up yeah. <laughs> to begin another day, you know, and that's after going to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, not a lot of groceries, washing dishes, not an industrial size amount of dishes, yeah. just a few dishes from home. And that was every day. Yeah. That was every day. That was not my bad days. That was just every day. 
And now we get to get to the good stuff. Yes. So you are listening to the Firestorm Live broadcast, and we're so thankful you are. You're hearing the backstory of my friend Steve Spellman. He's talking about how the Lord took the wounds of his past and turned them into weapons. You're going to hear. So far, what you've heard is the darkness and the backstory. Wait until you hear what God did mm. next. So I'd love to yes. jump. I'm going to jump in here and talk yes. about how we met. So uh, you spent 20 years like that. This yes. happened to you when you were 19. You and I met right before you were 40, late 30, yes. 39 or whatever. Yes. And uh, many of my listeners know me. I'm not a media guy. I'm not anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just... You might know me from Savior Martial Arts. I've been teaching that in this area for 25 years. Many of your kids might have trained with me. Maybe you did. We've been blessed to be here for a long, long time. And you came into one of our martial arts schools. Yes. To uh, to learn our adult system. We call it Krav Maga uh, because you were concerned, rightly so, I think, that you could be a very easy target for yeah. crime. <laughs> yes. You're on a cane. You're moving Real slow, Re <laughs> yeah. really slow. Yeah. So you were 39. I, you know, honestly, you were moving like somebody that was in their 70s and 80s. Absolutely. Um, just with that unsuredness. Yeah. You were also a whole lot heavier than you are now. Yes. Uh, how much did you weigh when we met? Do you At my heaviest, I was 310 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Which is really different today. Yeah. So you come into the karate school, and we. Um, I noticed that uh, we have an adult introductory lesson that day. That's very normal. We have them all the time. And I watched this man go by my office door on a cane moving like an 80-year-old. And I remember thinking, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how that's going to go. Yeah. Right? And my guy that was teaching at the time does your intro. He came to me and he said, sir, there is no way this guy can ever do our yeah. program. But I really like him. I want to help him. And I said, okay, what's he got going on? He told me a quick story. Oh, he was shot three <laughs> times 20 years ago, and there's danger of being a quadriplegic if he turns wrong. But I really want to help him. Can I do private work with him? And we agreed, yes, we would, we would serve you with private lessons. So you're coming in and you're doing that. And you, I remember you lasted about five to ten minutes. Mm, yes. You just had yes. no no wind. Of course, you had 40% of a lung gone. Yeah. Your body is just shot. Yeah. And you're moving on the <laughs> – you're moving like a very decrepit age. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we did that for a while. So here's the exciting part. I get a phone call one day on the day that you were doing your private lesson. It was you. You were calling, sending your regrets. You're like, hey, I'm really sorry. I can't come today. Uh, I got up. I wanted to help my wife. We should mention you're married. You right. have been married for many years to a right. wonderful woman. Yes. Who uh, cared oh, for you during woman. all those years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was was prepared to be the sole breadwinner. Did not expect. Neither one of expected me to get healed. Was just prepared to be the only one. We just working. gave it away, man. You just you let the cat out of the bag. No, no, no. It's coming. You you know me. You all that listen to the show, you know me. You know what's coming. It's going to be amazing, right? God healed him in a moment, did some amazing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, he calls and he sends his regrets. I can't come today. I got up this morning to help my wife. I did the dishes and I am wrecked. I can't leave the house. And I knew you a little bit, yeah. but I didn't know the extent of what's going right. on. Right. And I said, you did what? And you said, yeah, I did the dishes. And I'm like, what kind of dishes? And you're like, a couple of cups, a plate, yeah. some forks. You know, like, yeah. oh. But I said this to you. And again, we don't know each other hardly really at all. I don't right. know if we'd ever really met. And I said, hey, man, I just want you to know that uh, Jesus still heals. But now he uses his kids to heal his other kids. That's right. Next time you're in here, it'd be an honor if you'd let me pray for you because the Lord will touch you because he loves you. 
and you were polite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you said, okay. Yeah. About a week later, you come in, moving full 300 pounds, slowly on a cane. Yeah. And I remember we spent some time with you just speaking life. And you said this, Steve, and, and I think this is just powerful for everyone. It always yeah. affects me. You said, you already, we, we could confirm that you knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we always do that. Yeah. And you said this, you said, but my God is a harsh taskmaster. I am only a tool in his hand and not a well-loved tool, the kind of tool that you just use and throw in the bottom of the bag. That's right. That was your understanding. That was on a good day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's how you understood God the Father. Yes, absolutely. And I remember it was me and my wife and a young man named Jeremiah Gwendu who was working for us and is now an amazing um, uh, speaker, uh, preacher, moves in anointing and power and all over the country. So proud of Jeremiah. Yeah. Anyway, there were three of us yeah, in there. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah. And I remember saying, you know, God still releases the captives. Yes. Jesus came to release the captives, and he'll do it for you. Yes. And we prayed for you, quick prayer, prayer for, of healing, prayer of commanding the pain to go, all pain to go now in Jesus' yes. name, new nerves grow, all the things that we pray. That's and right. you were polite. And... uh I said to you, okay, well, check it. Do you notice anything in your body? <laughs> what happened? And you say, told me, be honest. And I was honest. Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. Like, absolutely no reduction in the pain at all. Yeah, nothing had changed. What did you expect to happen when I said, man, I, you know, Jesus still heals. He just uses kids to heal his other kids. I'd love to pray for you. Next time you're in here, mm-hmm. what, was your, what was going through your head when I said that? I expect to happen exactly what happened, which was nothing. I, when, he <laughs> says, when he says I was polite, that, that was the extent yes. of it. You know, I wasn't excited. I was just, okay, you know, I'll let someone be kind and waste 10 minutes of my life you know what do i got to do i'm hobbling along on a cane anyway yeah, what do you have to lose yeah but yeah is that faith i don't think that's faith yeah. i don't even know yeah. i don't know so when, yeah. when people say oh you know the recipient didn't have enough faith mm. i prayed for him he wasn't healed because yes. the recipient didn't have enough faith i think that's just demonic yes absolutely i mean how much faith did lazarus have yeah right right yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I don't believe it is the faith of the recipient as much as it's the faith of the one praying yeah but I didn't stop because that's me and I'm right. audacious. And I'm like, okay, let's pr- let's pray again. Pray again. Same sort of prayer, super fast. Father, you love Steve. You love us. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit right now on the authority of Jesus Christ. I command body be healed. All pain go now. Yes. Complete restoration of everything the enemy meant for evil, Lord. Turn around. Get your victory. Use it for yes. good. In Jesus' name, amen. Something amen. like that. Yes. And my tiny little wife. Yeah rises up in power and she puts her hand on your chest and she's like you are dearly loved son of most high god she speaks identity into you and we said check it yeah what happened so then i told him that's odd that that was my first that's that's odd first off first off i lifted the cane above my head because you know he tells me check it don't be nice oh yeah the cane you couldn't even lift your arm yeah i I had to lift forgot haven't listed anything above my head for the entirety of my um my disability. So first of all, I'm immediately able to do something that I was never able to do before. And I told him that it felt tender. He asked me how did it feel. You did. You, you said know? tender, and I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. I feel odd. I feel tender. I'm like, yeah. What right. is that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I found out was I didn't feel any pain at all. 
But after 20 years of constant pain, I don't think my brain was able to register the complete absence of pain in just a moment. Yeah. Because I didn't feel tender. I didn't feel anything. And I remember watching you walk away. You folded up your cane, mm -hmm. the telescoping cane, folded up, put it under your arm. And that was it, guys. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I just heard odd, odd, tender, tender. And you pretty much, I got to go pick up my little girl. I'm like, all right, I don't want to take your time. Right. He folds up his cane. He walks out. I watch him walk away, shaking his head, processing. Yeah. You know that look, yes, like, guys. what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah. yeah, what what did just happen? We got to move a little faster, but okay. what did just happen? So for the next three days, I didn't feel anything in the entire right side of my body, which is, you know, my entire half of my torso, not a small thing. I didn't feel anything like um, the pain was gone, but it was like I was anesthetized, anesthetized there. Yeah. Um if you're stuck a pin in me, I wouldn't have been able to feel it. In fact, I was I spent time punching myself in the side because I was just so in shock after being in pain for 20 years. I didn't tell my wife for three days because I was sure a fluke had happened. Uh -huh. Something had happened because I'm not in pain anymore. So it's not just like in my mind. Um, but God has not healed me. I'm a tool in his hands. His love for me is not that great. Yeah. So I didn't, I was still, you're still, doubt. you're not like, I receive it. You yeah. aren't anything like that. No. So no. yeah. The, so again, it's not the faith of yes. the recipient folks. It's your faith stepping yes. out in faith and just believing and doing what Jesus said. Jesus yes. said, Matthew 10, eight, he said, as you go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, yes. cast out devils, raise the dead. Yes. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said, heal the heal sick. The sick. He also said things like, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. <laughs> Why does he ask us to do things that were absolutely impossible for us to do? I think because when we step into faith in the impossibility, that's when his spirit comes in like a grace. There's no way it could be you. I can't heal anybody. Yes. But he can. Yes. But I can step out in faith yes. and say, man, Jesus still he still releases the captives. Yes. He just uses his kids to heal his other kids. Can I pray for you? Yes. Yes. So you're punching yourself in the side and before <laughs> that with feeling no pain yeah. before that you had, um, how old was your youngest daughter then about eight, nine? Yeah, um, she's nine now. So I would say then she was seven, six, yeah. seven. Yeah. So what would have happened if she had just leaned against you? Okay. So none of them, my wife, my kids, they, they knew not to touch me in any area on my right side. If, if my young daughter had to put a hand on me, it would have, it would have brought me to my knees in pain. Mm -hmm. My wife didn't hug me. You know, when she hugged me, it was a loose hug around my neck and that was just how we hugged. They yeah. knew not to touch that. Uh, and, and just as Scott said, you know, I did, I felt like a dilapidated building. If you're driving through the country, sometimes you see these old buildings that they're leaning that, you know, you could go and just tap it lightly with your foot and the whole building would come down. And that's how I felt all the time. That's how I was. And you had so, yeah. it like the ribs were gone. Right. So did you have a noticeable indention in this side where two ribs are missing? Okay. So yeah, just a notable crescent indention into my side that if I lifted my shirt, you could see, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, your ribs are going there. Yeah. yeah. So we pray yeah. pain goes away immediately for days you're processing yeah. and punching yourself in the ribs yeah. and not wanting to tell your wife because you're afraid it's a fluke yeah absolutely yeah but but god yeah but god <laughs> i mean but god guys and i wish i i can't convey to you just the excitement because he scott is right this it is not the faith of the person being prayed for so you can go out and and just 
force and verb and just get audacious with this thing because it's already established. It, it, it doesn't matter about the person. I was still in doubt after I was healed, after yeah. uh, my encounter with Jesus Christ. So that yeah. was just awesome. And God still healed me. So a couple months later, we can continue to be friends. You, yes. you roll back in the dojo a week later, looking completely different. Yes. My wife almost doesn't, she didn't recognize you. She's like, Oh, Steve, Yes. you know, and you said, yes. you know, is your husband here? My wife wants to thank him. Yes. And, uh, you went on to def- detail that you were completely healed yeah. and your wife has her <laughs> husband back. I'd be completely healed guys. 20 years of just sorrow. And and I I had accepted that. And so many of our listeners have just accepted that God is a good God in the sky, but he's not a relevant part of my life. Healing and things don't happen today. God don't perform miracles anymore. And God, I got to tell you, that is of the enemy. Yeah. That is, that is with us. You'll see him. (laughs) Yes, you will. Yes. So shortly after that, we were able to get you x-rayed. Yes. We found a chiropractor that was, uh, I think, marginally <laughs> Christian. I don't know that she knew what she was getting into. Right. And uh, through a friend of a friend, we got you x-rayed. And uh, what did we find with that uh, wow. lack of the two ribs missing and the 40% of the lung that were gone in the indentation? What did right. God do? And the right. bullets. Right. And, and all of that. So... I swim. I, I've hiked. Like God has just opened up so many things since He since He healed me, um, because He can, because I can do those things now. So some of the things I do, they they are a lot for somebody missing forty percent of a lung, even healed. So we thought it'd be a great idea to get an X-ray to see what's going on, you know, because maybe God has done the miraculous even more and grown that stuff back and found out that he had the two ribs. They hadn't been broken, so they hadn't mended back. They had been removed. 40% of my lung, my right lung had been removed and God grew it back. <laughs> I grew it back, you know, and any, any medical professional, anybody just familiar with, with medicine at all knows that lung tissue doesn't regenerate. Yeah. You know, we're not geckos. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, stuff doesn't just, you know, you lose a hand, it doesn't just grow back, yeah. you know, so that's not how it works. So the ribs are grown back, you know, complete restorative miracle yes. the lung is completely restored yes. uh what about the bullets there yes. were two bullets in your in your spine so one in, inoperable yes inoperable one of them was just completely gone like it was never there it vanished it vanished okay. vanished <laughs> the other one and i believe it also was some metal fragments in my body they, they were gone all of it was gone one bullet remained and the chiropractor told us that the way the bullet was placed, the way my, my spinal column had calcified around it, it actually made my spine stronger. Yeah. So the bullet that the Lord remained made me stronger than I would have been. Yeah. You know, the 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 wounds into weapons. God literally turned that wound into a strength yeah. for me. Yeah. So that that is awesome. The same thing that kept me upon a cane for 20 years was now keeping me upright, yeah. helping to keep me upright. So that was awesome. Yeah. So you met me at 300 pounds. Yes. Then what happened? Yes. <laughs> so I've lost my, my weight now is between like 225 and, and 235. So you've lost, yeah, 70 some pounds. Yes. And uh, you're in great shape. I know you can swim the length of an Olympic yes. pool underwater with a single breath. With a single breath. That's dramatic and that's not even the exciting part that was just the warm-up that's the appetizer here comes here comes the meal okay so it says in second corinthians chapter one it's it's verse four he says paul talking he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others 
when they're troubled. We'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So the wound becomes a weapon in that the way that he comforts us, we then turn that around and we can comfort other people. And I think what's going on is we have a we have a tendency in our wound, in whatever your pain is, you have a, 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 a kind of a wisdom to see the same wound in other people. You know, and you, because you had crushing body pain, torso, back <laughs> injuries, moving on a cane, yes. uh, you are sensitive to people that are in the same situation, yes. right? Yes, I can relate. Yeah. So the Lord uses the the ways that he comforts us. The idea is not just for us to be comforted. It's not mm-hmm. just for us. See, it's an upside down kingdom. So you keep what you give away. The whole point of the gospel is that we can't do it on our own, that Jesus does it for us. And then we go and we become a comforter. You know, he says the same thing. And Jesus is talking about this in John 14. He, he basically says, hey, guys, I'm leaving. And you should be happy I'm leaving because if I didn't leave, the comforter wouldn't come. And he says, the comforter is going to remind you of everything I've taught you. He's going to give you power and you're going to be my witnesses. Well, when do you need a comforter? When you're uncomfortable. So what if the goal is not to get all my comfort dealt with so I don't have any comfort? What if my comfort, what if the goal is all of my uncomfortableness is an opportunity for Holy Spirit, the comforter, to come in like a grace to uplift that and use those pains where I am uncomfortable to be a weapon against my enemy so I turn yes. back all those fiery darts on his head. Yes. What if yes. that's what I it's mean, about? What? Yeah. Yeah. That's good news. That's, now, that sounds like good news. So let's talk about the next level. Yeah. All right. So the first level is I love the testimony. Everybody <laughs> loves a testimony, right? right? Right. You know, and we've shared this all over the country and you're yes. in a bit of a demand and I'm thankful for you giving me your time. Um, and everybody's always touched by this. I believe that in the way that you're comforted, you become a comforter. Yes. And I remember saying to you after all this happened, I remember saying, Steve, what the Lord did for your back, he's going to do for your entire life. He wants to do for your entire life. And in the way that your bonds were broken, he broke your chains. Yes. You are going to carry that chain breaker anointing for others. Yes. And that just kind of came to me. Yes. I mean, I believe by faith the Lord gives me stuff like that. And uh, so this was just, so now next level, about a month ago. You and I are in Pennsylvania. We're, you know, ministering, encouraging people to walk in the fullness of what Jesus paid a price for. We're teaching people how to go in love to contact folks in part of their normal lives, to share the gospel of love, to share healing through love, to share prophetic through love, to touch people with the love of Jesus, just normal in part of their lives. And we're coaching people. We're taking folks out. So what happened in that hotel is we're checking out, we're at breakfast, and what do we see and what did God do? Share the next level. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're having breakfast in a hotel, in a hotel room, and I see a guy, he's an older guy, distinguished guy, and he's he's hobbling along on a cane. 
at the moment he was talking with um, someone he was in a hotel with, and I didn't want to be weird and just jump in there and. <laughs> I think it was him. his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah he and his, his wife, wife were there in the yeah. kitchen. You know, the downstairs where they do the breakfast thing. You know, yeah. right? And we're all sitting around, a couple of guys from our team, and you and I. And I remember we were talking, and I had noticed this man. But, you know, he's with his wife, and I wasn't going to step right up. But I remember talking to you, and you were not really connected with us at all. Right, yeah. You just keep looking at this guy. Yeah, yeah. He the really, Lord highlights him. Yeah, absolutely. He stood out to me because I know what it was to look at him. He wasn't just a guy on a cane. I know what his life was. I know what his pain was. Uh, I just know how limiting that cane was to his life and just everything else that came with that behind the scenes. Because you've had that same pain, so you can recognize the depth of it in somebody else. Yes. Where I just might see, you know, older man on a cane, looks like he's pretty tight, uncomfortable. Right. But you see 20 years of misery behind him. Yes. So you go up to him, you contact him. What did yeah. you say? So I catch him. I actually wait for him because the Lord is like, he. It, today is the day of salvation for this man. And I'm not going to let it pass. You hear that Lord, in your heart? Yes. And if the Lord is going to work through me, I am not going to leave and let this man walk another day on this cane. Just like Scott wasn't willing to let me walk another day on mine. So I caught him going outside um, and I just approached him and I told him, you know, um, I asked him, well, I just approached him and told him I walked on the cane for 20 years to give him some kind of um, context for why the stranger is just approaching me. And I'm not <laughs> trying to sell anything. You know, I don't want anything for you. It would just be an honor. It would just be an honor to pray with you because, you know, someone prayed with me and I didn't even believe. And God took away 20 years of pain, just revolutionized my life miraculously, far beyond any human intervention. And if I could just have like um, 30 seconds of your time to pray with you, God will do that for you right now. So you told him, if you give me 30 seconds to pray for you, God will do the same thing to you that he did for me. Yes, God will heal you right here, right now. What do you say to the folks that listen to that and go, whoa, that is way too much boldness? You're like putting God, you don't put God to the test, man. What do you say to them? I would say to them, just look at if you believe that you are going to heaven when you die, does it take God more power to do that than to heal a person right here and now? A lot of times we're saved, but we don't really know what that means. You're believing God for a lot in that he'll save you from internal damnation. If you can believe that, then you can believe that God can heal right in front of you. First of all, because it's in your Bible. And second of all, you know, many people are concerned about embarrassing God. You know, Jesus on the cross, a man beaten so badly that you couldn't even tell he was a human being. And he's glorifying God. That was glorifying God. You can't embarrass God. You shouldn't worry about that. I think we're more concerned about us being embarrassed. And that is the enemy. Yeah, that that is completely the enemy. It is it is it is common, but it is a completely self-centered thing. It's more important. The spirit of God is thinking about that person. Yeah. If you are embarrassed, it's all right. I mean, we we know what embarrassment is. You know, we 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 do things all the time. Yeah, this is worth it. I think that's actually a catalyst. If to me, it's actually a clue that I'm doing it right. If I yes. get nervous, yes. like I, honestly, man, when you called me, I could have really easy. I remember it. I could have easily have just said, okay, man, you can't make it this week. We'll see you next week. I remember this, but I didn't. I stopped and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. In my head, I'm thinking, yeah, this is awkward. Hey man, you know, God still heals, uh, but he just uses his kids to heal his other kids now. Hey man, next time you're in here, it'd be an honor to pray with you. 
because Jesus will touch you. Right. I said that to you. Yes. I, yes. I could have not. I almost yes. didn't. <laughs> right. Because it was. It's a temptation to just be like, oh, "This is awkward." Yeah. But I believe it's the awkwardness where you when you step into that. Yes. That's like lighting the fuse of yes. faith. Yes. So you say yes. this to this man. What's his name? His name is Royce. Okay. I, I love it because you know him by name, right? Yes. We are not a number. Jesus right. knows us all by name. That's so when right. you pray for someone, you really should know their name. Yes. So Royce. Yes. So what happened to Royce? So I prayed for Royce and I just thank God for him and everything he was. I thank God for saving his soul and for loving him and for just showing up to show him his love, God's love in a real way. Well, how did he get hurt? What happened? To oh, him? right. He slipped on a, um, on a piece of um, ice at work and, and completely threw out two discs in his vertebrae. Okay. Um, and so badly that he had to have surgery on his spine to put those discs back in place. He had a, a horrible um, incision wound from the base of his neck down his entire back, you know, to his um, to and lower back. You could back. see it up high. Yes. Over, yeah, under yes. the collar of his shirt. Yeah. And it was real. It was healed. It was years healed, obviously, but it was still like gnarly, which means, yeah, that was um, a bad wound. How long ago had this happened? How long have you years? Been? I don't remember exactly, okay. but it wasn't a year or two. I want to say like nine. Okay, but I know it was years that he said. Okay, you know, so and it had changed his life. He was still struggling through trying to get disability, and, and it limited his relationship with his wife and just everything. I know everything that came with that. Okay, so I prayed for him, and I did the same thing that um that that I've seen in Scott. <laughs> I asked him to move, and I told him, look, look, I'm not here to waste your time. Please move and be honest with me. Don't don't I'm not check I, it. Right. Yes. Check it. Check it. And be honest with me. So he moved his leg a little bit and um, he said he saw he, he saw some some change. The pain was, I believe he said, about 50 percent gone. OK, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's get in there again. OK, because so I'm believing to pray God. again. Yes. Yeah. I have to pray again because I'm believing God for complete restoration. And also, I've learned from me personally that the second time is also it's not it's not a bad thing to pray a second time. Yeah. I prayed for people one time and didn't see things, and the God spoke to my heart. You should have prayed again. Yeah. You should have you should have believed. Lean Your in faith. Lean, Lean into in. it. Yep. Lean into it. Um, my embarrassment is not to be compared with his um with his liberation. Okay. It's worth being embarrassed for this man to yeah. walk straight. So I prayed with him again, and the second time was just exciting, guys. Every time <laughs> I commanded, I I thanked the Lord for him and um just just glorify God for his presence here. And every time I commanded the spirit of infirmity to leave him, any injury to his back, to leave him his spinal column, to be realigned in the name of Jesus, he began to shake. He began to tremble as if he was being shocked with a cattle prod. And this guy is older than me by like 20, maybe 30 years. He's dignified. He's not, he's not dancing around to please me. Yeah. Okay. He's too dignified for that. If you had been there, you would have known that. But, um, and he's just shaking so much so that I'm, I'm getting kind of concerned that he's just going to collapse on the ground. Yeah. I'm not sure what's happening. He's shaking in my arms. I'm about ready to catch him. Yeah. And when I finally just just end the prayer and thank the Lord for him in Jesus' name and command healing, he just looks at me and walks off. Kind of like I looked at Scott when he prayed for me. <laughs> he, just, he looks at me kind of like he might be offended and just walks off down his causeway and back of the hotel at like sprinting pace. I love it that it comes back around. Yes. That, that, I mean, yeah. yes. That, God redeeming. <laughs> your wounds, turning your wounds into weapons. Um, like or literally in my case. And so he just sprints down, and I'm kind of concerned because he looks like he might just leave. He didn't say anything to me. He just sprints down, but just looking at him, he's completely healed. He, he's standing up straighter than he can stand with those kind of injuries. He's walking more, much more briskly than you yeah. can walk. So he just goes, like, jogging around yes. the parking lot. Yes. 
And before Basically. he's moving very laboriously yes. on a cane, just like you were. Yes, hobbling so, along. So the dude yeah. looks at you, gives you a look of, was it like confusion? Or? Yeah, well, I didn't know. It looked to me like consternation, like maybe <laughs> you just wasted my, like something bad just happened or something. Like he just realized that I stole something from him or something like that. I don't know. It gave, but he just goes off. And my wife helped me to understand later because I didn't know what that was. She was like, that was him latching on by faith. He could feel God touching yeah. him, and he believed. Yeah. And he looked at you. What he was thinking was, did this boy just heal me? Does God <laughs> just show up for me in the back of this hotel room through this stranger? Yeah, I'll you know. And he yeah, just he just goes lot. off like, let's yeah. test it. What? Let's let's get it. Yeah, you didn't even have to tell him to test no. it. He just starts testing it. No, no. This was a man that when the cage door was open, he's not going to wait to see if it's a trick. Yeah, he's out. And I then, mean, he's out. What did you tell him about the cane? So he comes back with the cane in his hand. He goes with the cane in his hand. He he holds it up, you know, vertical, not hard, not not yeah. um not horizontal to um yeah horizontal, not vertical to, right. to stand on it. So he's holding it in his hand like I folded mine up. And I asked him when he came back. First of all, I was shouting up and down for joy. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm going crazy. I'm a pretty big guy, and I'm I'm jumping up and down for joy like I'm a teenage cheerleader or something. I mean, like the people in the hotel, they 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 glued to the windows, they looking at me. You know what's going on? Is he assaulting the guy? You know, so he he was excited. I was excited, and um, I didn't even hear much of what he was saying because I was too busy jumping up and down, yeah. um, praising the Lord because I know what just happened. I know how your life is going to be changed from here on out, throughout perpetuity. Yeah. All of his pain is gone, and yes. he physically jogs around yes. the parking lot. Yes. In a moment. Yes. If you <sighs> can just imagine, you know, any 90-year-old, 100-year-old person, just God showing up, and they just straighten up and walk straighter than a teenager and begin to run off into yeah. the distance. That's kind of what happened. <laughs> like, ain't no faking here. It ain't no subterfuge. God has just shown up, and I am just overjoyed. And so the only thing I could get in in between breaths from just going crazy, praising the Lord, was I, I I pleaded with him to put your cane up. Don't carry that around. Carry it around as a reminder of God's grace, but don't carry it around as if this is going to change because that's what I did. Yeah. I thought it was a fluke. Um, I was still in, in kind of disbelief. But take that cane with you as just a... Um, you know, a monument yeah. to God's grace with you, but never use it again. Don't put it back down. He had it hell. He had it hell um, horizontal, and because his didn't fold up. Okay. And so I just told him, you know, walk away with it, carry it back up to your hotel room. You're not going to need it again. Amen. But don't carry it around with you just in case. There is no just in case. I think that's the pick up your mat and walk. Yes. Right. Why wow. did Jesus tell the paralytic to wow. pick up his mat? I think it's because wow. it's a it's his testimony. Yes. Everyone's like, wait a second, yes. dude, you've been on that for 38 years. What's up with you? The reason he's carrying his mat around is yes. so that it's like a signpost of what yes. God did here. Yeah. So yeah, carry the carry the cane around, yes. but use it as a signpost yes. that Jesus gets the glory. Yeah. So oh, awesome. the way this is next level, we said this is leveling up, is Steve, I'm just so proud of you <laughs> because seeing where it came from when the Lord yeah. touched you, and I'm just so thankful that, that that day he decided to connect us and the miraculousness of that healing is something I'll remember forever. I'll yeah. always remember that. <laughs> but now to watch you moving in such love and so much joy all the time and now you're praying for people yes. and they're getting supernaturally yes. healed in a moment in a parking lot of a hotel yes 
and you're moving in love. This is yes. why it's next level, and it's available to every single believer. Yes. We probably have time for one more quick testimony okay. before we got to wrap up. Can okay. you just? And I just want to just showcase what it looks like. The yes. way you're modeling this, it's for everyone. It's not for the yes. elite. Um, so what happened in Wawa the other day? Yes, um, guys. Yeah. So I'm in Wawa. And um, a guy's coming across the front end of the um, the registers, and he doesn't see me, so he thinks he's going to get in line with a register that just opened, and I just happen to be there. So God just put it upon my heart to buy his his groceries for him. And he protested, and I insisted because the Lord just, I could feel the Lord's love for him. And um, just, Okay, that's a crucial point yes. right now, okay? So it's not just you know natural human kindness, although we all yes. have that, and you should do that. Um, there it often in the scriptures when before you see Jesus moving in power you'll see things like and the lord was moved with yes. compassion over and over you'll see that it's the the catalyst in all of this is the love relationship yes when you can see people the way the Father does and you move in love, that's kind of like an anointing that starts it. Yes. So you're moved by yes. compassion. Yes. When I see him. So I assist on, on buying his groceries and um, it gave me a chance. I told him I told him that it gives me a chance to tell you how much Jesus loves you. It's worth that much. Like it's, it's Jesus paid for you for you to know him with his blood. It is a small thing for me to pay a few dollars to be able to just tell you that. OK, so. So you buy his groceries. Um, yes, and he leaves, and 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 before I get, before I get to leave the store, I end up opening the door and be having a chance to just minister to another person, like three other people. So I I completely forgot about and him. And when you say ministering to three other people, you're just sharing the love of Jesus. Yes. Hey, just want you to know Jesus sees yes. you, he loves you. Yes, just real real kind and smooth like that. Just just compelled by the Lord, not thinking about what I'm gonna say, not trying to, you know, check my box and pray for three people today. Just the Lord loves them. I can feel that. Just a natural thing. Okay. Like like hugging someone you love. Okay. And um when I get out of the store, he's waiting at a at a post outside of the front door with tears streaming down his face. And he tells me, you know, so Tells me sobbing quietly that his grandma just died and that he's just going through a difficult time and that I can never know what what that small act of kindness from the Lord did for him. Yeah. And so just monumental, um, um, just a monumental experience for him that didn't cost me much at all, but a few dollars. Yeah. And that's the grand thing. You know, this is the, this is the Lord. Like, this is for all of us. I didn't even believe after I got healed, guys. So <laughs> this is not because I had such great faith. Yeah. You know, all you have to have is a mustard seed. A lot of you, before we go, you know, you're feeling it in your heart. You want to latch on to this. You believe that. You, you believe this. You want to see it, man. Go out there and be audacious. As Scott says, God will backfill that. Put yourself at risk. You know, do thing, do things, approach people that you may be scared of because that's an indication that 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 in love. Yes, in love, right? In love, yes, <laughs> always in love. in love. Approach people in love. <laughs> yeah, and so this young man, in the last couple moments, this young man is weeping outside. Yes. Says that my grandmother just died, and you were able to tell him that God sees you, yes. and loves you. 
Yes, that's yeah. what I got to tell him, right? Yeah. That God that God sees what you're going through. And guys, I didn't even know what that was. It just God put it upon my heart. God didn't tell me that his grandmother had died. God just put it upon my heart to tell him that Jesus loves you and he sees what you're going through. And that was the catalyst. And, and what, I feel yeah. like that is just a, a low bar for all of us. We yeah. can all be his hands to hurting yes. people. So you've been listening to the Firestorm Live broadcast. We are coming in. I don't. My wife says I don't land. I just stop. <laughs> so we are just almost out of time here, just wrapping up. Hey, you can follow. Follow us. You can find out more about what we do. We're regular Christians just like you, but we know that we're sons and daughters, and the Lord is moving in power. It is a normal thing for us to see the miraculous, see people healed, people saved, people delivered of demons. That happens still. Don't tell me it doesn't because it just happened in my living room last month. And it's only because we know who we are, what Jesus paid a price for. Thank you for listening to the Firestorm Podcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're looking for more about the Firestorm Equipping Ministry, you can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. We're also on Facebook at Firestorm United. If you'd like to partner with us, equipping the body of Christ for revival, you can give on our website, firestormunited.org. All donations are tax deductible. In our next episode, we meet Pastor Adam Cates. Adam is a worshiper. Adam has a heart for the Lord. But he also moves in power in a way that I've never seen before. He's going to describe how he was supernaturally given the interpretation of a tongue, a supernatural spiritual prayer language he was given the interpretation of. It's an amazing story. You got to check it out.